Uh, the morning in October 1989 when the church was constituted, uh, we were married right over there. Uh, two of our children were baptized uh, here. The third one was baptized in Africa. But we, we've been around Main Street Baptist Church for a very long time and just always feel right at home and welcome. And we thank you so much for an opportunity to speak and to tell you a little bit about what we do on the field. I'd like to begin this morning by reading just a short passage from, from Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, I'll read verses 8 through 12. At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joseph did, Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew weary, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. As we think of this story, we realize that we are a fellowship of believers. God chose to make us this way, to need each other in order to win the world to Christ, in order to grow in our spirituality, in order to make it through the rough times. We can't do it alone. We do it together. And we do it because there are people who are willing to hold our arms up just the way Moses had Aaron and her to hold his arms up. And as he did that, he was representing God to the Israelite people. Now, we can't say necessarily that we're representing God. We hope that everywhere we go, we are a representation of Christ and his love. But we can't do it unless someone is holding our arms up. We work in logistics. We do it as a team. And logistics means that we provide support for our missionaries. We cover seven countries in um, Northwest Europe. We, in, we did in Africa as well. And what we do is we help with cars and apartments, really tough tax issues, immigration issues, all sorts of things that just sap time away from ministry. And they cause worry and they cause anxiety. And so our job is to walk people through that, to do a lot of it for them. We are Aaron and her to our people. And moving from church planting, which we did for 15 years, into this ended up being a really great match, especially for David's gifts of service. And that's his heart. It's his love language. And being in those tough places helped us to understand how important it is to have someone to hold your arms up. Because there were times when we didn't have anyone to help us. And so it's really important to us that we always be there to the best of our ability both logistically 
and emotionally and spiritually in order to support our people and to pastor them as well as help it to take care of the logistical needs of their lives. Amen. I was afraid before we, as we were preparing to speak, that, you know, our work on the surface can sound a little boring. Well, I take care of taxes and housing and, and vehicles. Well, that's just a surface look. We support over 25 families on the field in seven different countries in a variety of ways that Nicole has already touched on. As you hold our arms up, we hold theirs up. You hold all of our arms up. I guess I'm Aaron and she's her. How about that? Uh, we, we, we have a lot of stories from the field and one that I would like to tell you just to show how from Georgetown, Texas, you're providing safety and security and housing and schooling for children, all sorts of things for our families on the field so that they can focus on what you've sent them there to do. Nicole and I cover logistics services for the International Mission Board in, in Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland. I've got a good story from our friends in, in Iceland. Uh, uh, Logan and Carla Douglas serve with the IMB in Reykjavik, Iceland. Prior to being with us, they were with another smaller faith organization that did uh, had to raise funds on their own. A fine organization, but they weren't able to provide some of the things that, that were needed by, by the Douglas family in Iceland. As they were there, they, they transferred over to the International Mission Board. And uh, at the time, as we were working through that transport, they, they, had a, they had a vehicle that was well over 20 years old, and it was a junker. And uh, it was so bad that from time to time it would break down. Uh, Logan told me a story about when his wife was maybe 10 or 12 kilometers away, and she broke down managed to get to a gas station or a petrol station, as we uh, we would say, at night. So Logan got on his bike and rode in the dark in Iceland the 10 or 12 kilometers that it took to get to her and to get the vehicle running so that they could drive it back to the house. Through your gifts and to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, to the cooperative program, when they came on board, with the IMB, we were able to get them a brand new Toyota hybrid vehicle with winter tires on it so that they could get where they need to be. And now they feel so much safer, so much more secure to get out and reach the churches that you sent them to reach. And I, I promise you, if they were standing before you here this morning, they would say thank you, a big thank you for what you've provided. Not only that, when they came on, with the IMB, we were able to take on the rent for their house and, and uh, provide the vehicle as well and all sorts of things to help them be secure in the place where they're living and trying to reach the lost for Jesus Christ in such a, such a post-Christian environment. It's, uh, there are a lot of challenges there, and they're very grateful for what you've done. Another group of, of missionaries, another team that we support, uh, works also in a country in, in our area, Northwest uh, Europe. They work primarily with Muslim background 
individuals, Muslim background believers and other Muslim background folks that aren't yet believers. And, and I was talking to my friend who leads that team just a couple of days ago, and he wanted to say thank you to you as well. We hold up the arms of that team so they can reach Iraqis, Syrians, Palestinians, Arabic-speaking people in the country where they serve in our area. You've been, we've been able to provide a vehicle for them and housing for each of the team members, uh, take care of tax issues and immigration, as well as help them find schooling and, and pay for schooling for their children where they are. We've helped them to create a base, to create a, a team foundation, uh, a base for their team where, that they can feel safe and secure and ready to, to branch out and reach the lost for Christ. They work primarily with Arabic-speaking people and have started three congregations of Iraqis in the country where they serve who speak Arabic during their, their worship services and are in the process of reaching out to others. They wouldn't be able to get to these places without the vehicle that you provided for them, without the home base, without the apartment that they can live with their children and, and feel safe and uh, and live for years and decades. And uh, we just, I know if they were standing before you this morning, they would say that's the same. Thank you very much for all that you've done. This um, also happened um, in the last year during the pandemic. So ministry did not stop. Even though a lot of missionaries did return home for a while, many didn't. And even from the states, they continued to minister to their people. And I'd like to tell you about Eric and Anissa. So they are a couple that have been with the board for a while. And about 10 years ago, they went to a seminar on um, the seven stories of hope. And it's an evangelistic tool really focused at the illiterate. And they thought, well, that's not really for us. We work in Europe and everyone is extremely well educated. And I don't really see how this is going to help. But as they went through it, they're both musicians, and they thought, you know, wouldn't this be a great thing if we wrote a musical about the seven stories of hope from the Bible? One of them is the woman at the well. And so they started to compose, along with um, national believers, a musical. They composed it. They wrote the lyrics. They wrote the narration. And then they brought a team of musicians from the States to hold a festival to reach out to these people who don't want anything to do with religion. The church is really important for, in many of these countries, for baptism as a child, marriage, and then that allows them to be buried in the church cemetery. And that's also very important. But that's about it. It's cultural. And so it's hard sometimes to get them to talk about spiritual issues. We're such a science-based culture. If we started telling you about the spiritual warfare we experienced in Africa, you would tell us it wasn't true, that we were making it up, and we're not. But going to Europe, it's the same thing, and it's still a spiritual battle. And they found that through music, they were able to reach this post-postmodern, post-Christian culture. And it was a 10-year vision but they were able to do that because the IMB offers excellent training 
for new evangelistic tools. And then because they were able to have that foundation, they could work with their national partners, they could work with churches in the states, and they found a wonderful way to break through and offer people a way to hear the good news. And so we would just ask um, that you would help pray for us, that we would have wisdom, that as we help support our families logistically, that we would make wise decisions. We are stewards of the money you give through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so we help them, and we have to help them make wise decisions, what they need, how close to their ministry um, people can they be that we can afford the rent because it's a little bit expensive in Europe, (laughs) and many other decisions. So we do covet your prayers for our wisdom. We also provide emotional and spiritual encouragement. So Heidi is a mom with two preteen boys, and they moved from France to Belgium. And in France, her boys went to school. They had friends. They had activities. They had friends. They had ministries. And they moved to Belgium and were in transition. They were in an Airbnb for two months. They were going to have to move to another Airbnb, which we were only going to rent for two months because we were hoping their work permit would be approved at the end of that time. But they knew very well if it wasn't, they would probably have to leave the country. And so she was thinking about homeschooling and had a lot of anxiety about that. She had these two preteen boys that had lost school and friends and activities. She didn't have her own stuff living in an Airbnb. Her stuff couldn't come until they could get an apartment, which wouldn't happen until they had a work permit. And so she was trying to be the mom she'd always been and provide the kind of cooking and cleaning and activities that she'd always been able to provide and couldn't. And her stress and anxiety was through the roof. And that makes logistical decisions really sticky. And you're in that much stress and anxiety. And so I was able to call her and talk to her. And we talked for a long time just about what does it mean to be a mom in transition. Will it kill your kids if you don't get to cook everything like you usually do for a few months? What is it going to take just to get through this time and to say, yeah, it's hard. And I understand. I know. I've been there. And it's going to be okay. And so it's really important that we chaplain our people and provide a pastoral ministry as well as logistics. Another one that is a combination of those two is our friend Justin. And he's a missionary in Belgium. And he had two journeymen, which is a two-year program, who were supposed to come to Belgium. And in the spring, uh, I wasn't working with David then because I was working at Seton Hospital. But he spent about four months wrangling with two other different departments in the International Mission Board trying to figure out a legal way to get them into Belgium because the work permit had changed. And their base salary had to be so high, there was no way we could get them in. And they tried everything and finally came to the conclusion that they had to tell these two journeymen who were in training, ready to go to Belgium, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Well, Justin came on the field. I think he had been in the States. And he wasn't a part of that whole process. Or he didn't really understand how hard they had worked. And he started talking to a lawyer. And he was feeling so frustrated and so alone. And he thought no one cared about getting these journeymen onto the field except for him. And he didn't know what he was doing. 
And we were able to talk to him, and we were able to express how hard we had worked. And we said, but let's look at it again. Let's talk to the lawyer again. Let's run the numbers again and just see what we can do. And unfortunately, the answer still was no, which broke his heart, and it broke our heart. But he knew that he wasn't alone, and he knew that there were people in his organization whose job was to figure it out. And he could bring in more information. He could bring in national partners, but he wasn't alone. We would ask that you pray that there become a way for journeymen to enter Belgium and work legally. I mean, of course, we're not going to do it illegally, but um, we want them to live there. And they can't right now because there's just no way to get their salary that high. It's also a problem for our first-term missionaries because their salary is also not high enough to meet that. So we just ask that um, you would pray with us, that Belgium would open up a new pathway, that we could get them in and they can work with the nationals, encourage our missionaries, reach the young people that that are their age, and um, just do what, what God has laid on their hearts to do. Amen. He can leave it there. So, from from Iceland, uh, you've encouraged the family greatly, and remember, remember Heidi and her family in Belgium. And I think so much uh, of the Haneys performing a Christian musical at the Stockholm Jazz Festival, of all places, during COVID, all of this, and also our team reaching out to. Uh, to folks from Iraq and from Palestine and from uh, from Syria as well. Remember Justin as he struggles trying to get folks in uh, to Belgium where he serves. You're lifting up all of our arms. We're lifting up theirs. You're lifting up ours. This is a team effort and something that we couldn't do at all without you. The way you pray for us, the way that you give through the cooperative program, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, which is about to kick off the Sunday after Thanksgiving, just through your kindness, uh, the birthday card you send to us, the Christmas card you send, is so much appreciated. Just those little things, wherever we are. Uh, we know that you're thinking about us and praying for us and uh, and supporting us uh, financially as well. Your gifts go to real-life people, real-life families, Southern Baptist families, with children <laughs> and needs and hurts and joys. We're real people out there that you support. The, the, the IMB has over 3,500 missionaries that that you support. Uh, Last year, in 2020, our personnel, along with their national partners, started over 18,000 new churches during the pandemic. 769,000 people heard a gospel witness through our personnel and through their partners. We saw almost 150,000 new believers during the pandemic, the, the work didn't stop. It kept going. Our national partners on the field, they live on the field. They're citizens there. They didn't stop. 
In fact, we found in many areas that people had more time to hear because they were working from home or they weren't working at all or their work had slowed down, especially among the Iraqi population in Western Europe and the Arabic speakers. They had time to hear and time to come to homes that uh, that you rent for our personnel and listen and, and have Bible studies together and just fellowship together. So we talk a lot about Lottie Moon, and um, it's she's just really important to us. The Christmas offering that's in her name is about to kick off, and that provides literally half of the funding for our whole International Mission Board, just the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And Lottie Moon is a really important person. There are churches that no longer do a Lottie Moon Christmas offering or an Annie Armstrong Easter offering. They do one large missions offering a year, and and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when they explained to me why they did that, a pastor said to me, well, people are wondering why they're giving money to a dead person. And that just broke our heart because Lottie Moon in, in the 1900s was a single missionary to China. And she was spunky and a handful, and she was going to tell the people about Christ. She learned Chinese. She dressed like the Chinese. She wrote scathing letters home to churches because they weren't sending more missionaries when there were so many people hungry to hear the gospel. She, um, during a time of famine, gave all of her food away to the point that she basically starved to death. We will never live up to that. We have it so easy in comparison to her. And she is the spirit of what we do. So when the Christmas offering is over, we don't ask what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering got this year. We say, what did Lottie get this year? How much did Lottie make? Because for us, the offering is her spirit. And it's just, it's a living thing. It's living to us. And it's just so important. And I I want to tell you that last year, during the pandemic, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering made the most it has ever made. Hallelujah. And we just praise the Lord for that. We really do. And I want to close here, but everyone asks, well, when are you going on the field? And we've now been here almost two and a half years. And for the last six months, we've said, well, we're hoping in two months. We're hoping in two months. And we are now finally, maybe, hoping for December. The first step of our permit process was approved two weeks ago. And so everyone needs to clap because that was a God thing. Amen. Hallelujah. It has been blood, sweat, and tears, and God, in his perfect timing, has done a lot in our lives. This has not been wasted time, and we don't think of it as wasted time. He has changed us and grown us and transformed us in so many ways. We believe in preparation for our next ministry. So the process has two more steps. We are currently waiting for an approval for the second step, which according to our lawyers, should come within about a week, we're hoping. And then we have another step, which would take about two weeks. So we are hoping by the middle of December, we will have plane tickets in hand and be able to go on the field. So that 
That is as good a definitive answer as we can give at the moment. Notice she didn't say two more months. <laughs> you know, as, as I think about Lottie, I've said before that uh, she was a spunky woman, uh, to put it mildly. And, and I'm, I've said before, I'm glad I wasn't her logistics services consultant because she would have given me an earful on a regular basis, I'm sure. But uh, a beautiful woman and, and a great inspiration to all of us. Um, I hate to harp on money at all, but I know the offering is coming up, and it, it's very important to us. I heard a statistic the other day that if every, every Southern Baptist on the rolls of every Southern Baptist church in the United States gave 63 cents more this year to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That would amount to $10 million more uh, this year. Uh, just remember to give generously when the time comes and remember that you're giving to real live people. And also, I would encourage Main Street to create a channel for missions here. Create a channel for international missions as well for volunteer trips and volunteer teams to go out for a week or two. Remember, you have contacts in Western Europe. <laughs> and your contacts in Western Europe have contacts in seven countries, Western European countries, much less intimidating, I hope, than Africa, where we've spent the last 25 years. So create a channel of, of some kind, however that might come about, to, to send teams uh, out to us. We can connect you up. Uh, with our personnel in Iceland in the summer and uh, in Sweden and Norway and Finland and Denmark and the Netherlands and, and even uh, Belgium, Luxembourg perhaps. Uh, please, um, please come and give that some focus. Maybe God is calling you uh, to lead out in, in a team or a committee or an effort of some kind to give a little training and give some focus uh, for you. Uh, to get out there and get on the field and experience missions personally. As we close, we just want to say thank you so very much for your kindness and generosity to us through the years, for remembering us, uh, for Pastor always welcoming us to his pulpit. It means a lot um, to be part of you and to know that when we're on the field, we're not alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, and we thank you for the privilege of worshiping. We thank you, Father, that um, here in the southern part of the United States, your name is common, and people at least know something of who you are. I just ask that you would spread your glory across this nation, and that you would also spread it across Europe that you would encourage and lift up all of those who are reaching out um, to the people of Europe, that you would just steady their hands, Father, that you would open hearts, make them tender, and just give our people the right words to say. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.